ahead on the show this February Tuesday. The West Coast swing is in the books and what a run of winners we had. During the span of five weeks, three different world number ones and what should be the headlines leaving Hollywood? One answer might surprise you before we head to the Sunshine State. The West Coast is about the stars. The Florida swing will test the minds and games of the best in the world. Four week run on some of the hardest courses we will see all season long. We kick things off with the famed bear trap and Make sure to keep your shirt on. Harry Higgs hopping on the show. One of the best personalities in the game. We'll talk about the highs and lows he's been experiencing out on the PGA Tour as Golf Today tees off right now. Golf Today. Inside our Golf Channel Worldwide Headquarters, I'm George Savarikis. Pleased to be sitting alongside Golf Week's Eamon Lynch for this two-hour edition of Golf Today on a Tuesday. And we just wrapped up the West Coast Swing. What a run of winners we had there. It's going to be hard for the Florida Swing to top that. And the mood tends to change on the Florida Swing as well, George. This is when game faces start to go on. They're building up towards the events that define careers you know you're building you're on the cusp of the players then the masters is coming quickly after that the players aren't quite as cheery and chipper when they get to florida and the golf courses actually tend to be a little bit tougher as well you get into the grinder it feels like in the west coast swing where guys really start to get tested like we see at major championships as far as just it being a grueling week that by the end of it they're mentally and physically exhausted so for more uh, let's head out now to uh, as the PGA Tour heads to PGA National Resort and Spa in Southern Florida, home of the Honda Classic and the, the first stop for the PGA Tour on the Florida Swing. Last year, a bit of history at the Honda Classic, except Straka becoming the first Austrian to win on tour. Remember, he was five down to Daniel Berger on Sunday. Berger hitting it in reverse. Straka able to make up some ground tapping in for birdie on that final hole in the rain. Watched as Shane Lowry would go on to miss. He was ranked outside the top 175 in the world heading into tournament last year. He's now all the way up to 31st. Straka is back in the field this week to defend his title. Lowry also returns as he looks for his first win on tour since the 2019 Open. Sunjay M was the 2020 champion at PGA National and after a strong season on the PGA Tour Champions, Padraig Harrington getting a start at tournament. He's already won twice before. So now let's welcome in our Rex Hager, the reporter this week at the Honda Classic. And Rex, you look at the notable list, maybe not the field that the Honda Classic would uh, expect to have this time of year, especially being sandwiched in all those designated events. Yeah, you guys just pointed out there is a sense of excitement when the PGA Tour transitions to the East Coast, to Florida, and that's always been the case when you get to the Honda Classic. It is interesting this year, you pointed out, it's wedged in between four designated events. You had Scottsdale, L.A. last week, and then next week we have Bay Hill followed by the Players' Championship. So it's understandable that this field is probably not what we've come to expect over the last few years, just three players of the top 20 in the in the world are at this event. But it does create opportunities. I had a chance to talk with some players this morning on the range. And the hot topic on tour right now is the building gap between the have and the have not, specifically those players who are allowed into the designated events and those who are not. And I think a lot of players are looking at this week's Honda Classic as an opportunity to become a designated event player. You can kind of change your career with a week like this. And the stat that stood out to me this morning that I saw of the 144 players this week at the Honda Classic, 
only 10 are currently qualified for the Masters. So it's going to be a life-changing week likely for someone, and it gives the fans an opportunity to probably learn a new player. Rex, speaking of the haves and the have-nots, this flashback a year ago, Jay Monaghan called an all-hands-on-deck meeting right there at the Honda Classic where the, the whole live issue was being discussed. Will there be a similar meeting this year at all on any similar subjects? Historically, there almost is always a meeting. The commissioner comes down, almost gives a state of the tour, talks to all the players, and really they talk about whatever the hot topic is. As you pointed out, last year it was the coming live tour, and he had to fend off a lot of rumors and double down on the tour's position that if you went to live that you weren't going to be welcome back. That won't be the case this week. The commissioner does not plan to hold a meeting this week. It's important to point out they did have an all-hands players meeting at Torrey Pines two weeks ago. I talked with some players about what was discussed there. Next year's schedule seems to be something everyone's concerned about. Field sizes going into next year. So it, it isn't going to happen this week, but there's plenty of dialogue. I also need to point out that Jason Gore, who joined the PGA Tour as a player advisor this year, he's been at almost every event so far this year, and he's answering plenty of questions. Uh, guys, got to ask, uh, what gives? You didn't loop me in on the salmon shirt memo on Tuesday? What, what's going on? It looks like a Warbrook <laughs> malfunction on the Golden Girls back in the 80s right here. You just didn't get that memo. I can't wait for Golf Channel Social to say who wore it better. And then, well, that'll be our poll question. I will block day. anyone who picks Rex Hoggard. <laughs> Rex, speechless for once. I feel like on this was just today. an opportunity for you to brag, Eamon. <laughs> I got it. Moving right along. Before we look ahead to the Florida Swing, we got to look back at that five-event run we had on the West Coast, starting the California Desert. Win by John Rahm, outlasting rookie Davis Thompson for what was then his second win of 2023. Rahm, of course, finished right where he started. That would be with another victory in California on the West Coast Swing this past Sunday at the Genesis Invitational, holding off Max Homa down the stretch for a two-shot win, allowed Rahm to ascend back to the number one ranking in the world. But don't feel too sorry for Homo. He won at Torrey Pines, Farmers Insurance Open, up to eighth in the world, highest he has ever climbed before. Justin Rose snapping a four-year winless drought at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, while Scotty Scheffler temporarily claimed number one in the world by winning the WM Phoenix Open before Rom once again hopped back there. So, Eamon, your biggest takeaways from the West Coast swing. I remember asking... Jeff Ogilvy a few years ago, that if he only played the golf courses on tour that he found architecturally interesting, what would they be? And he could only name four, and three of them we've already seen on tour this year, which is Kapalua, Riviera, and uh, Pebble Beach. And I was like, if you don't put Pebble on that yeah. list. <laughs> so we, we've seen a lot of the courses of stature. What really stuck out to me over the last few weeks, other than getting our first taste of what these designated events look like, is you're starting to see the top strata of golf separate itself a little bit more with John Rahm. Rory McIlroy hasn't won on the PGA Tour. He did win on the DP World Tour during that stretch and Scotty Scheffler. But you're also seeing some former stars kind of really reassert themselves after a few years in the doldrums. Obviously, Justin Rose had a victory. Jason Day, three top tens on the West Coast. Ricky Fowler, three top 20s. And there's a guy who's really been struggling with his swing over the last few years. And a young guy announcing himself, Davis Thompson, a rookie out there who ran John, close really, John Ram really close at the Amex Championship. So th there's a lot of wonderful storylines building at this point as we head then east. The West Coast Swing, it's just so steeped in history. And I'm reading the book The Match right now. And it, I mean, the Crosby clambake started in the, the mid to late 1940s. They would always have a four-week run 
back then where pros would basically come out of hibernation during the winter. That's how they would kick off their season. Now we see five events that go from California desert to Arizona, back to Cali, and it feels like the caliber of player teeing it up with those two designated events the last two weeks are the best stars in the game, and the winners have been befitting to the stature of these events. To me, that's when the golf season really kicks off on the PGA Tour is the West Coast swing. It's the best courses. It just feels like that's where the star power kicks off each and every year. Once that concludes, and I think, okay, the golf season is officially underway. Now we can start looking ahead to championship season. Wasn't it one of the really interesting learnings from this West Coast swing, though, that how much talk there is about money and the realization of how little it actually matters? I mean, John Rahm right now is $9.8 million in prize money on the PGA Tour this year. Almost all of that came within the calendar year of 2023. Max Homo was near tears on Sunday night. He was cashing a check for almost $2.2 million for finishing second at a tournament that means more to him than it seems any other. And the emotion that you saw out of him, the rawness of it, was just a reminder that the guys who really are playing for something more than money, the money isn't even registering with them at a certain point. And You'd like to call, you can't tell me the money is not registering. I, I think it, it does not I'm, register I'm, as much as the, the trophy or the near miss of the trophy. I'm all for buying into especially the Genesis Invitational, the seventh oldest event on the PGA yeah. Tour. For Max Homa, how meaningful that is when you're at Holgins Alley, the past list of champions at Riviera, ton of significance. But to then downplay on the back end, when they get the direct deposit from the PGA Tour and they see 3.6 or 2.2, oh, it matters. But it's the not money matters one. a lot. Yeah, it matters, but it's not on the priority list. It's not ahead. It's of not the, the idea first of winning or, or the, the trophy or what they are motivated by playing for. John Ram has said on several occasions during this West Coast swing that it do, he doesn't think about what the check is at the end of it. It's not in any way a motivator for him. There's a guy like Max Homa, increasingly accomplished doesn't have a major championship, is waiting to make that leap into the next tier. And clearly the money is, is not what was bringing Max Homa to tears on Sunday night. Easy to say that when Max Homa's won twice this season, John Rahm has won three times. Those guys have stacked millions already this year. If you're Johnny Every Pro trying to make the cut, you see a big difference in what you're making. Sure, because they're not playing for trophies. They're playing for a living, essentially. Correct. So if you're on the upper echelon, if you're top 10 in the world, then you have the solace of knowing my bank account is going to be flush. So I have less of a concern than if you're the guy grinding, trying to keep his card inside the top 125. And then it's a big fall from a designated event on the PGA Tour to then when you're teeing it up on the Corn Ferry. And it's actually, we're not going to the top 70 keeping cards at the end of this year. <laughs> no, so that money sure. pressure gets a lot higher. I mean, the three guys who tied for ninth at Genesis made half a million dollars each. I mean, that does show you the, the scope of the money that's there. But I was struck by the that upper tier of guys, the guys who would have been drawn potentially to live with a promise of a lucrative payday, they, they don't seem to be motivated by the money, that they're simply motivated by proving themselves against the best players in the world week in, week out. Well, yeah, it's the short-term upfront capital versus betting on yourself. And now with these designated events and you see what John Rahm's making, okay, if I'm a top-tier guy inside the ropes, I could have a season that's 15, 20 million, and that doesn't even include what I'm making outside the ropes. So then it's not worth the risk if you're Rory, Aram, and you're playing for legacy on top of having the financial security to know I have multi-generational wealth. Yeah, and when you look at what Rory McIlroy did last year when he added on the, the FedEx Cup bonus, the $18 million there, Rory McIlroy cleared well north 
of $30 million based on his inside-the-ropes performance last year before you start to get to the endorsement deals. So he, he's not exactly worried about how he's paying the mortgage anyway, which is the luxury of this game. But fewer and fewer of these guys are going to be worrying about how they're paying the mortgage once they get into these designated events. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, flashback a year ago, WM Phoenix Open, one of the indelible images that will be seared into your retinas going forward. I'm just going to say, Joel Damon is a bad influence to get our man Harry Higgs to take the shirt off among the masses at the par 3 16th, and then chaos ensued. A look at Harry Higgs a season ago. 30 starts on the PGA Tour. Had that top 10 at the CJ Cup, 17 missed cuts, bunch of missed cuts to end the year, had some struggles. Here was Harry uh, this past November on the inconsistencies with his golf game. I have had a lot of poor days and a lot of consecutive poor days. And then I've also had, not as many as I would like, but I've had some days that were great, where I had full control, I was making good decisions, I was kind of, you know, as we all say, getting out of my own way. For the last probably five, four, five, six months, I show up to go, I'm preparing the same way. I'm probably borderline working too hard and too much at home and, and here. And a few too many times, almost, actually, sorry, almost all the time, I go on the first tee for a competitive round, and I don't really know what's going to happen, which is a really not fun place to be. So long-winded answer, it's everywhere. Um, but I know what the problem is I'm, I'm too self-aware, too. Like, I know when it's going on, and I know when it's bad how I act, and I know when it's good how I act. So I'm going to get away from all of this and rest and relax and, and think about kind of how the last two days have gone and just kind of focus on a, a thing or two that is not my golf swing and not what club do I hit here about how to continue, you know, continue to spiral upwards and give myself the best chance um, heading into the weekend. So since that self-pep talk at Mayakoba, Harry Higgs' results on the PGA Tour has made five 
of his last six cuts. You see a couple top 25 finishes at the American Express and the RSM Classic has started to turn things around on the PGA Tour. And we're pleased to welcome in Harry Higgs right now. And Harry, we all know that tough Sundays are a feature of life on the PGA Tour, but you had a particularly tough Sunday a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, my uh, beloved Philadelphia Eagles happened to, happened to maybe... Maybe they shouldn't have, but they wound up losing a Super Bowl. It was a it was a tough Sunday, definitely a tougher Sunday than maybe shooting a couple under and getting getting passed up uh, on the golf course. It was a it was a tough result for us, but it was a, I was very proud of how how they played all year long, and hopefully, you know, looking into the future with Jalen Hurts as a as maybe a top three or four quarterback in the game, we can get back there. Jalen Hurts is going to get a big payday. I like how you're welcoming in our guests. Hey, let's talk about that horrible well, Super Bowl defeat well, you just he, had to deal with two weeks ago. He doesn't mention that he was in a house full of Chief yeah. fans at the same time. You, you did kind of bury yeah, that, Yeah, it was, it was tough. I grew up, yeah, I grew up in Kansas City. So all of my high school buddies, uh, my girlfriend, she's a Chiefs fan, her family. Um, it was a tough one. There was a lot on the line, and unfortunately, the Eagles fell just short. So... They've got the bragging rights over me now for at least another year. And it's just hard because none of my my knucklehead high school friends deserve Patrick Mahomes. He's too good for them. Um, he's really too good for everybody. But sadly, they have him, and more than likely, they're going to play in and maybe win a few more Super Bowls between uh, now and when Patrick Mahomes' career's over. Harry, I went to Mizzou, a lot of Kansas City buddies, and they're just constantly chirping about Mahomes. Oh. And that's only going to go on for, like, the next decade. So uh, not a big deal there. Uh, we've been talking. Yeah, <laughs> probably. What were we going to say? I was going to say, yeah, probably decade plus. He's probably going to play for another 15 years and win too many more Super Bowls. We've been talking West Coast swing on the show and Florida swing. You just wrapped up one. You're getting ready for another for the fan at home, how do you compare the two? Well, it's nice to wear shorts. Um, that West Coast swing was kind of cold, and we had this was this is now my fourth year on tour. This was kind of the worst weather that I'd had out west. Uh, some cold, some very chilly mornings, some some really pretty big winds, a lot of wind gusts, uh, some rain delays, and some stoppages and, and the like. And that just happens. We play an outdoor sport. Um, you know, grass type's a little different. A lot of Bermuda, you got to kind of, where on the West Coast, you may not have to practice your chipping as much leading into the week. You definitely have to do that here and, and kind of all the Florida events. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's 85 degrees and sunny here, light winds. I'm wearing shorts. I've got no complaints about being in Florida again. Harry, you've been very open about the emotional roller coaster that comes with life in professional golf, N not just during the course of a season, but even within the course of one round. Where do you feel as though you are in trying to maintain the equilibrium that you talked about finding last fall? Yeah, uh, great question, Eamon. Um, I would say that I'm better where in the clip just before I came on, you know, I was doing it for maybe a day, day and a half. I feel like I've had in the last couple of weeks, two, two and a half, almost three days of like really good mental performance, really good, kind of really having a really good mindset. Um, I definitely, the last couple days at Pebble, now, you know, there's really no excuse for having a poor mindset, but I, it was my fourth week in a row. And there was, it's a very challenging week with amateurs and, you know, it's slow rounds and, and we had some poor weather. Um, I definitely let myself get a little too frustrated, even at the most simple mundane things that shouldn't really ever frustrate you. 
and I did feel like it hurt hurt my performance a little bit. Um, so you know, for me, it was just identifying that, you know, kicking myself in the rear end that I shouldn't give myself that excuse to then start acting like an immature child when I hit it, you know, just barely into a bunker. Um, so you know, I, I was aware of it. I didn't do a good enough job of snapping out of it. And that is definitely a, a focal point of this week and, and the next few weeks that I'll play. Like, no matter if you get tired, no matter if the you know winds kick up, no matter if the rounds slow or, or you're or you know you're running out of energy, you have to find a way to continue to give yourself the best chance. And, and for me, that's having a good mindset and being very uh, accepting of any poor results um, or even results that aren't that poor. But you're just kind of bummed out. Your ball rolled into the rough, or you know. Go, go be a golfer, go be an athlete, and figure it out from there. Find a way to shoot a score. Harry, we've been talking a lot about the mental game. The old school ideal with, say, a Ben Hogan was dig it out of the dirt, and we always think of the solitary pursuit of the sure. pro at the end of the range grinding. For you to get back to this point where you've made five of your last six cuts, has it been a bigger grind from a mental or physical standpoint? Definitely mental. Um, we made it a point to practice less um i i could definitely at times be the guy on a tuesday like today where i'm out there until the sun sets on the driving range beating balls and yes that there is some benefit to that but in the long run i think it winds up hurting me more than anything else because it just it, you know just exhausts me i need my best thursday through sunday and in a perfect world you know i get better each and every day from thursday to sunday thursday maybe i'm not at my peak and then Sunday I would be and it was just very difficult for me to do that with all the time on task that I was that I was doing you know spending a lot of time on the range a lot of time on the putting green um, I, I'm definitely just thinking about my my attitude and my mindset a lot more and and you know it there's really no secret to it it's just a choice I have to I've, we've been saying constantly I have to give myself the gift of a great mindset um, there's no there's no magic bullet that you just you just have to do it. It's a choice that you have to stick with, and it's a difficult choice, especially in the world we live in. It's obviously competitive. It's results-based, results-oriented. You want to see how you do, where you finish. Um, you know, for me, I'm just trying my best to focus on. I'm trying my best to leave the golf course happy, whether regardless of the score I shot. Am I proud of of my mindset and how I handled myself that day? And if the answer is yes, put a smile on my face walk back to the hotel or the house we're staying in, put my feet up, rest and relax, and get ready to do it again tomorrow. You put smiles on a lot of faces last year, Harry, with that indelible burlesque routine with Joel Damon at the WM Phoenix sure. Open. <laughs> Joel was on the show a few months ago, and he said that the tour did discipline you guys after that. Is that the kind of thing the tour needs to kind of loosen up a little bit on and just let guys have fun a little bit more out there? Well, I don't know what... Maybe Joel had a different punishment than me, but I, I didn't wind up writing a check to anybody at the tour. Um, it was definitely threatened that at some point, you know, we may be fined and we may have to write a, write a check to charity. Um, but they didn't end up doing it. And uh, part of me wants to say yes, Eamon, that they should let up and they should, you know, allow us to be ourselves and, and you know, show more personality. But... Joel and I would both admit we took it way, way too far. Um, I was expecting and also, like, quite confident that we were going to be fined and we didn't end up being fined, or at least I didn't. I, And I feel like Joel would have told me if he was. Um, but, no, it, we, we took it a little too far. Now, in that 
in the moment on that hole, you never know what you're going to do. There's just so many people screaming and yelling at you. It's a, it's an arena that we do not see any other time of year at any other, any other venue. Um, so we kind of lost control of ourselves a little bit. But it was nice that it was viewed positively. I never would have thought playing professional golf that I would be at some point shirtless, whether or not for a long period or a short period. Um, but yeah, we sure uh, you, we all know what happened. Um, and it's you know it was a way for Joel and I to show that we are one human and we are you know enjoying this moment with all these people on 16 as well. It, this is it is really cool for us, and I think everybody feels the same way. But there's sometimes you get there and you just you can get a little distracted by all that goes on, and maybe you don't really want to even look up and wave or you know celebrate a par or what what have you. Um, there's a lot more. There's a lot of guys out here that do have fun and do have really great personalities that maybe don't show it as often as maybe I or, or Joel does. And I don't think there's anyone out here that would ever take it to this far of an extent that Joel and I did. So it was a one-time deal. I do not see myself or Joel ever doing it again. But I didn't play this year. Um, Joel did. I didn't see him do anything fun. But next time that, that I'm in the field with him, I would imagine we may ask for a, a pairing together. And we come up with something, something fun to kind of bring back those memories, but we, we would definitely keep our clothes on for the entire time. Well, it's like, where do you go from here? I've been covering the WM Phoenix Open a long time, <laughs> Harry. It's not often I'm shocked, but you had me shocked. <laughs> Thanks for sharing the memories yeah. with us. Yeah, I, I was shocked too, to be honest with you, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Love it. Play well this week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time. All right, stay with us. Scotty Scheffler already has a win this year and already has a major under his belt, a green jacket per se. So how much pressure is he under to add another one as we're going to get ready for major season coming up? Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus chews. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So this year, the uh, the Open returning to Royal Liverpool for the 151st playing of the oldest men's major. One significant change made to the qualification process, the removal of the exemption for the Ryder Cup and President's Cup, which rotated each year and will impact players, including those that left for 
Live Golf, should they not qualify via any of the remaining qualification categories, along with a few PGA Tour pros as well who competed at Quail Hollow. As we look back at major season last year, remember the run that Scotty Scheffler went on. It was four wins in six starts. This was the capper, his first major at Augusta National. Absolutely incredible. Then May at Southern Hills. Some bonus golf. It was Justin Thomas in a playoff, basically rubber stamping himself as a future Hall of Famer. That's major number two, winning the PGA Championship for the second time five years after lifting the Wanamaker at Quail Hollow. JT now up to 15 career PGA Tour wins and, of course, that FedEx Cup championship back in 2017 at the U.S. Open. What a story with Matt Fitzpatrick. The gains he has made on the golf course, able to hold off Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris to win at the Country Club and win his first major championship. Then at the Open, at the Old Course, at St. Andrews, a celebration of golf. It seemed like it was going to be Rory McIlroy's day, but a final round for the ages from Aussie Cam Smith, who had won the players earlier in the season and caps off championship season by winning the Claret Jug and capturing the 150th Open. The venues this year, of course, the players at TPC Sawgrass, March 9th through 12th. The Masters returns to Augusta April 6th through 9th. The PGA Championship upstate New York at Oak Hill May 11th through 14th. The U.S. Open at LACC North. It's going to be a fun one. First time heading out to Los Angeles Country Club. Then the Open is at Royal Liverpool Golf Club July 20th through 23rd. For those who are intrigued by the odds to win, John Rahm in three of these. You see plus 850 at the Players, 750 at the Masters. Rory. The favorite at the PGA Championship, plus 850, and then it's John Rahm at the U.S. Open, and then the Open, even though Roy was runner-up last year, he's the favorite there, plus 800. The odds provided by the MGM Sportsbook. Eamon, who's under the most pressure heading into the majors? Well, the easy answer is the two guys we just saw on the odds list. You know, Rory's had nine top fives since he last won a major. What John Rahm is doing so far this season puts a certain weight of expectation on him as he heads to, to the Players' Championship. And beyond that, I tend to look at guys who haven't yet racked up the results that they need in major championships while building an enviable resume elsewhere in the game. Guys like Patrick Cantley, who's only had three top tens in his career in major championships, two of which came four years ago. He was tied eighth at the Open last year. And, and a guy like Max Homa, who's now got a handful of wins on the PGA Tour, but he's played 12 major championships as a professional and he's missed the cut in seven of them has only got one top 30 finish so they're the guys I think are probably feeling a little bit more pressure than the biggest names who already actually have one of those trophies on their mantelpiece. I would go Rory McIlroy just because the drought's been heading into year number nine now with everything he's done he's the most accomplished pro since anyone's turned pro past 2000 this century so I would go Rory McIlroy. Coming up Bear Trap is one of the most frightening three-hole stretches on the PGA Tour but there's also three holes on the front nine that players have to worry about as well. We're going to head back out to PGA National with Rex Hoggard in Florida next. It's a cliche because it's true. 
The bear trap at PGA National has mauled more than a share of aspiring champions over the years, and that isn't even the toughest stretch on the course. We talk about what is on a week when the smiles turn to screams as the tour begins the Florida swing. And in the past nine months, Pearson Cootie has won a national championship at UT and earned his first two professional wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. He and his twin brother, Parker, are in the field this week at the Honda Classic and the best package deal in golf joins us as Golf Today continues. Golf Today. Welcome back into Golf Today. Eamon Lynch alongside George Savarikas. George, we've obviously moved west to east. Fair to say that this is actually a week where the golf course kind of becomes the star. It's almost regardless of who's in the field. But when you talk about certain stretches of this golf course and the triumph and tragedy that exists there, the golf course actually starts to take on a kind of a leading man role in this tournament. Yeah, and I was thinking through during the break, all right, what has the best theater on the Florida swing? And you start looking down the list and you would think, okay, the players, 16, 17, 18, is a phenomenal closing three-hole stretch. I would go Honda just behind it, 15 through 18, that run, the drama, the car crashes, the part 5 18th that you can reach in, tr in two. Um, I, I think it's phenomenal theater for, for the fan watching. It's kind of like plane crash golf out there on a Sunday afternoon, especially when the wind is blowing, because the, that three-hole stretch doesn't offer you a lot of opportunity to recover if, if the worst-case scenario happens. And we've seen guys come undone there. I remember Adam Scott a few years ago seemed to need a a flipper and snorkel at a certain point he was spending that much time in the water on, on that stretch but it really does define whether or not you've got the nerve to close out a tournament uh, of this magnitude against uh, you know a fairly decent quality field most years it tests your metal in a lot of ways and there's really no like to your point no real chance for recovery you either are borderline flawless executing down the stretch or disaster uh, can certainly occur as we're looking at the Florida swing with the Honda Classic at PGA National Honda's finale as the title sponsor. What a magical run they have had with this event, the longest of any sponsorship on the PGA Tour in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida this week, the first of four events in the Florida swing. Then they make their way to what has been an absolute meat grinder the past few years at Bay Hill Club and Lodge for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, a designated event March 2nd through 5th in Orlando, Florida. Championship season underway with the players, TPC Sawgrass, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida flagship event for the PGA Tour, largest purse on the PGA Tour March 9th through 12th. So the schedule, you see those three, then you have, of course, the Valspar Championship, and don't forget there is the Puerto Rico Open, March 2nd through 5th. I'll actually be on the call that week at Grand Reserve Golf Club. First time making the trip to PR. As we are diving more into the Florida swing, and as we, we've talked a little bit about the theater, that the golf course is more the star this time. You look specifically at the Honda Classic. What do you think we're going to see as our appetizer to lead things off? Sheer brutality, which is really what you see most years. I mean, you even saw it last year when Sepp Strack uh, held out over Shane Lowry and there was a deluge 
on the, on the last couple of holes. I mean, nothing was going right for Shane that it day. It would only rain on the Irish. Exactly. <laughs> you would have thought it might actually have helped Shane, given it was weather that he's well accustomed to where he grew up. But what you see here in the Florida Swing right now with the, the designated events being added as well is the, the reality of what that schedule looks like going forward. There are a couple of winners and a couple of losers in that. And right now the winners are the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is permanently designated, as is the Players' Championship. And on either end of that, struggling to find some traction with star players, you have the Valspar, which closes out the Florida Swing, and then this week at the Honda Classic. But the, the one trend that moves through uh, the next few weeks in particular is the difficulty of the actual test that's been presented. And have a look here at the average since 2018, the average winning score. This week it is harder to win this tournament than anywhere else. And the Arnold Palmer one's a little bit misleading there. You know, Rory McIlroy won at 18 under par one of those years since 2018. So that tells you that the other years, the thumb screws have been tightened a little bit more to come down to a 10 under average. And then the players, oddly enough, has the best scoring in terms of, of the Florida swing with Valspar falling just closely behind that. This is the test that probably explains why some guys are also a little bit hesitant to sign up, even the guys who live in the neighborhood. It's a very tough test. There's another tough test to come next week and then a meaningful tough test to come after that at the players. Well, especially if you're getting double the world ranking points for a victory that you would see at, say, the Arnold Palmer Invitational or at the players, and you think from a fatigue standpoint, most top guys are playing, what, 18 to 22 times this year? Like, you're going to have weeks where you can't fit it in. It's just, we, we keep lamenting it, but it's just how the schedule is currently constructed. I thought it was fascinating the first hour you were saying the concept of swings was a relic of the 40s, 50s, 60s when guys would travel by car to certain events and they would want to yep. be in a certain region geographically of the U.S. for weeks or a month at a time. How would you envision then going forward if we were just to say, let's build a schedule to try and distribute equitably the best events and have a flow to it that isn't just constrained by geography? It really is a relic of the road trip era and probably has less import these days when a lot of these guys, well, they're all traveling by jet unless you're a guy who's suddenly hopped the RV life, which a few guys have out there. Jordan <clears throat> Spieth, he's, he's, he's all about the RV life now. <laughs> exactly. Well, he announced that he joined the RV life while he was in Hawaii. I don't think he was driving it <laughs> out there. But I think it, it comes down to what are the designated events going to be. And some of them we know what they're going to be with the players, the invitationals, the match play, but there are four that could potentially rotate between different sponsors, different tournaments next year. It very much depends on where they fall because the way it falls now, you do have some pacing throughout the course of the season and the calendar so that there is an event of stature that is bringing these guys together at least once every month, sometimes more than that. So if you have a scenario next year where in the early part of the year, let's say a, a, a farmer's and a you know, one of the other sponsors, maybe it's Amex, one of the West Coast sponsors, in addition to, say, a, a Riviera, which is permanently designated. If those guys who are closely compacted on the schedule all are pursuing and willing to take on and granted designated status, the ability to stage them week after week, I think, becomes compromised. You're going to see events, I believe, move around a little bit more on the schedule and potentially... Uh, for instance, if a new title sponsor comes into what is now the Honda Classic next year and they want and are willing to uh, support financially the idea of having a designated event, 
well, you're not going to get five in a row stretching from the Waste Management Phoenix Open all the way through the players. So something has got to move on the schedule. And this idea that we come to Florida for a month, it's great. There's sentimental value to it. There's sentimental value to the West Coast Swing. In practical terms, that might be something that gives under the new dispensation on the tour. And the great unknown, not just for how the PGA Tour schedule would look as you're going start to finish now from Hawaii up until the Tour Championship, but also the fall portion, players eagerly anticipating and wondering, okay, what's the fall going to be like? It's a completely new look compared to what we've seen in years past with the wraparound schedule. So a lot to be determined now going into fall of 23 and then 2024 as well. The iconic bear trap this week is you, you play the champion course of PGA National. You have to get a picture next to the bear on the tee at the par 3 15th. That's what kicks off the bear trap. Par 3, par 4, par 3. Eamon said it best. It was sheer brutality. So let's dive into what the bear trap looks like. The par 3 15th. 179 yards and you see a lot of water especially if you are a right-handed pro in the field this week at the honda classic just the slightest push the way that green is angled brings that water more and more into play it's actually water on 15 of the 18 holes here at ga national can lose uh, many a white golf ball out there par 4 16th 434 yards difficulty isn't necessarily off the tee, though you have the two fairway bunkers, one on the right-hand side, one on the left. It's when you make the right turn and then stare down this approach. Yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna be trying to take the tiger line over the water on that one, George. And then the par three 17th, if you had to hold your breath on the tee at the 15th, 17, not exactly a slouch, especially if this is your 71st hole of the tournament measuring 175 yards. And so often the pin position is in that back right corner and the margin for error back there is pretty much zero, especially when the wind is howling. Which inevitably it's howling 15, 20 miles an hour. You see the bear trap tied for fourth touches three hole stretch on the PGA Tour non-majors. Combined score to par since 2007. That was the first year this event was contested at the champion course at PGA National. Look at all the golf balls that have found a watery grave. Lost a lot of good balls out there. 1,686, two years in a row, every player who played all four rounds made at least one bogey or worse. 87.7% are over par at the bear trap in their respective careers. And the toughest three-hole stretches on the PGA Tour since 2007. You have the Green Mile at Quail Hollow Golf Club. That's the toughest. Then it goes Muirfield Village, PGA National with two entries on this list. Eamon, how about that? Yeah, we've just talked about the brutality of the bear trap, and it isn't even the toughest stretch on the golf course. And that leads right into our man, Rex Hoggard, back with us once again. Rex, bear trap gets all the hype at PGA National. What are the players saying about that stretch on the front? George, I would argue that the Bear Trap just has a better PR firm because as you just pointed out with that graphic that you guys showed, it's not even the hardest hole on this particular golf course. If you just look at last year, the Bear Trap played 0.55 strokes over par for the Honda Classic. Compare that to numbers 5 through 7, they played 0.272 
over par. And even if you look at statistically all the way back to 2007, that has always been the case. And yet, still armed with those stats, most players we talked to said they'd still rather avoid the bear trap. They're both equally comparable. Um, both of the three hole stretches are, are statistically the you know, right up there with the toughest three-hole stretch of anything on the PGA Tour. So um, I think you would have to say uh, 15, 16, 17. Um, just those tee shots, the way the wind blows, those iron shots are just so difficult um, at certain times. Um, you know, if you miss it left on, on 15, sometimes that bunk shot's tough. I know they just redid uh, 17 bunk a little bit. Um, maybe that's going to make it a touch easier with a little chipping area. So, um you know, you got to bail out on, on, on five, and you got to bail out on this one, on number six, and, and seven just a big, big part three. So, I mean, they're both very, very difficult. I think you can make a bigger score, though, on, on 15, 16, 17 compared to this stretch. Seven's another long part three that most guys don't make a lot of birdies on. And then we get to the bear trap, you got another part three surrounding by water, and then 16's one of the tougher part fours with a, a tough approach shot. And then, of course, 17 is one of the harder part threes we play on tour. So uh, they're, they're all... Th all six holes are so different, but each stretch plays differently for sure. But uh, you play those those holes even par for the week, you're going to be having a chance to win. When you look at the two stretches, can you lean into the bear trap maybe as the more difficult just because of where it is in the lineup? Late in the round, you need to make sure that you don't have a big number. Uh, no doubt. You don't think about that playing five, six, and seven. When you get to 14, you're thinking about it already. You're looking at 15 green. You're looking at the win. I mean, you're in the middle of 14 fairway thinking about that shot already on 15. And um, so, yeah, being the last three of the last four holes of, of the, the back nine on a Sunday is uh, pretty daunting. Now, it's important to point out, as Billy just said, there's been plenty of bunker work here at PGA National since last year's Honda Classic. Probably the most notable will be on that par four sixth hole. Two of the heavy bunkers down the right-hand side have been completely removed. You know, when I was out on the tee box with Billy, he just talked about how open that tee shot now looks, and it's certainly going to take the edge off that particular hole, and it might even make it play any, a little bit easier, but none of it is easy. George? All righty, thank you, Rex, and we will see you later on Golf Central. The best package deal in the game is coming to the Honda Classic this week, and we've got them here on Golf Today as well. The Cootie Twins, they're both in the field after Parker came through qualifying this morning to join his brother Pearson. Both of them will join us right after the break. What a stacked team Texas men had a season ago. Longtime head coach John Fields helping guide the Longhorns with the Cootie Brothers to the national title over Arizona State. 3-2 in the match play finale. The Twins helping lead the Longhorns to the promised land. Fields' other national title back in 2012, 10 years earlier when Jordan Spieth was in Austin at UT. So since leaving Texas, Pearson Cootie has already earned two professional wins on the Corn Ferry Tour, first at the Live and Work in Maine Open, that was back in June. Then earlier this month at the Panama Classic, he won a three-way playoff in very tough conditions. Bioblast for Pearson Cootie, currently T4 on the Corn Ferry Tour points list, was number one last year on the 2022 PGA Tour University Velocity Global Rankings that got him on the Corn Ferry Tour, former number one in the World Amateur Golf Rankings. And there will be two cooties in the field this week. Parker qualified earlier this morning, surviving a four for three in the Monday playoff to get into the Honda Classic. This will be his second start on the PGA Tour, his first coming at the 2020 Shriners Children's Open. 
And let's welcome in the brothers Cootie, Pearson and Parker. Parker, we got to start with you. You couldn't let Pearson be the only one in the field this week. How are you able to get through? Yeah, no, I mean, just I was able to bury the first hole this morning. It was nice to make it through and come joining out here. Uh, what a suck to have to watch them this week. Pearson, both of you guys are making your PGA Tour debuts as professionals this week. How long have you dreamed of doing this as a professional on the PGA Tour? This has always been the dream for us to be able to do this together. And uh, we both would have liked to make it sooner as professionals on the PGA Tour. But this is an awesome opportunity, and we're really looking forward to it. Parker, how helpful is it, I mean, having two of you to share this journey together as you're taking the first step as pros the same week at the Honda Classic? Yeah, no, this is, I mean, really special again. Like I said, I didn't want to watch him this week as this is his first professional or first tour start as a pro. So, I mean, I'm just happy to be out here. And, I mean, hopefully this week goes well. To what extent does competitiveness between siblings drive you guys at this stage? I'll ask this to Pearson. I mean, you've been side by side for so long, even in college teams. You know, you've won both on the Corn Ferry Tour, the PGA Tour, Canada. Are you still driven by what the other is doing at a certain point? And will you be paying attention to what the other is doing this week? Yes, absolutely. It's hard uh, having your brother in the field because sometimes you catch yourself looking down the leaderboard or up the leaderboard to see where he's at. But our competitiveness, our, uh, competitiveness goes throughout everything. We competed for our car one time. Uh, and it just... But we're always supporting each other, and it's really cool to have to have each other to push each other, and you know, just make it try and get the PJ Tour as fast as possible. I know you guys have dealt with some injuries, and your work ethic and competitiveness has been well documented by John Fields at Texas. He was saying you're know, the most competitive brothers he's seen, and that was after seeing the Byram brothers way back in the day. And we work with. Kurt Byram here at NBC Golf Channel. Are you guys going to change your practice approach at all now as professionals? Yeah, we, we, we have. Our instructors, uh, Troy Den and Josh Gregory, they've been hard on us about that as far as just doing what you need to do each day. I mean, not it's, it's really easy to stay at the course all day and keep hitting balls, but uh, as pros now, we've I feel like we've gotten better about that and hopefully continue to get better about just managing what we're doing and I mean as you know the year's long so just trying to time it out what do either of you guys see as a good week for you this week because given what the family history the bar has been set pretty high for what constitutes success in professional golf but now that you're making your debuts as professionals what do each of you regard as a success by the end of this week I don't think there's any reason that we couldn't win. That would obviously be the perfect scenario, but trying to earn non-temporary membership is the goal, and uh, a top 10 would be awesome. And I just am looking forward to making my first start as a pro on the PGA Tour, and however things go, I'll, I'll be happy about it, hopefully. Well, Pearson, last summer you pointed out that you had declined uh, an offer from Live Golf because you wanted to play the PGA Tour, that this was your dream that's still the case. Did they come back to ask you for season two of Live Golf, or are you now where you want to be, and that's off the table entirely? I haven't heard back from them, but it's off the table, and 
I'm doing the right things to get to the PGA Tour, and I just hope to continue down this path and be a full member out here next year. Well, guys, it's going to be fun to watch you two, and hopefully they'll have a separate leaderboard among the Cootie brothers this week <laughs> at the Honda Classic. Enjoy it. Time now for a look at the race to the CME Globe. And, of course, with just one event in the books, the race to the CME Globe is the same leaderboard from the Tournament of Champions. Brooke Henderson on top, followed by the young Swede star. You have Charlie Hole and Nelly Corda as well on that first page. So LPGA rookie Sam Wagner will have to wait for the tour to return to the United States. Before getting the tee off this year, Wagner qualified through Q School in December. She played collegiately at the University of Florida before ending her time in Gainesville and turning pro in 2017. She's played on the Epson Tour since 2018. So with that, we'd like to welcome Sam Wagner into golf today. Sam. You've got this long break with the LPGA Tour in Thailand this week. What's the buildup been like to the start of your season? Oh, man, it's um, it, it has been excruciating long, actually, um, since Q-Series ended. It uh, feels a little bit longer, I'd say, than it probably really is. But there's just been a lot of adjustment period, a lot of, you know, figuring out agents and sponsors. And we had rookie orientation a little while ago. So it's been pretty filled with things but uh also i'm i'm ready to get going <laughs> let's go back to that q school sam i want to show you this picture of you with your mom obviously that day there was a tremendous amount of emotion when you finally got your lpga tour card after years of trying what did that day feel like when you finally achieved that ambition oh man that day was so special um you know i've i've reflected on it a lot and honestly when i got to the range that morning, I knew it was going to be a really great day. So I really just tried to soak it in with my family. And, uh, you know, my mom was on FaceTime with my brother in that picture too. So it was just really special that, you know, I could walk off the course and she was the first person I saw. And obviously I, uh, first cheer I heard when I made the putt to on 18, but, um, it was special for her to be there watching all eight rounds and, you know, have my dad on the bag as well. And it wasn't just a straight line for you from UF to then teeing it up on the LPGA Tour. We see close calls each and every year for players at Q School. If we go back to 2021, you miss your card by one because of a penalty stroke you called on yourself. For those of our viewers who aren't familiar with the story, what happened and then what's the journey been like past that? Oh, yeah, it was a momentary uh, loss of, uh, you know, my presence, I guess, on the golf course, I'd say. Um you know, I could go back and nitpick plenty of shots I hit wrong that that week. Um, but I just I kind of just stopped paying attention for about five seconds and uh, kind of rushed myself and had a lot going on and immediately knew I did the wrong thing and, you know, called myself on it right away. I knew it was a shot. And, um, you know, I had the rules official who confirmed it to me is is a good friend of mine. And I remember him saying after the round, like, I hope that shot doesn't cost you anything. And I kind of was just like, oof, um, <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, you know, it turned out it did. But I think I walked away from that experience a lot better than, you know, obviously if I didn't call it on myself. But, you know, I learned a lot about myself. And it made going back to Epson this past year, um, I don't want to say it made the experience easier for me, but I was a lot more self-confident. Um, and especially like then going back into Q series this year, like I, I learned to stay very patient. I think I enjoyed the process a little bit more. I had, I want to say a lot more respect for the Q series process this year. Um, so 
I think overall, like for me, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that was just a huge part of my journey. Now, having gotten your tour card now, Sam, you're in category 14 on the LPGA Tour mm -hmm. when it comes to status, which means you're ranked high on the priority list of fill fields, but you're not guaranteed entry. You've worked hard to get this card. What is it going to take for you to keep the card through this season? Oh, you know, I mean, obviously, like the 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 most common thing is making cuts and, um, you know, finishing well. But I think for me, a big part of that process is really enjoying it and also like, you know, it's a new journey. Learning, learning the ropes is a big part of it. And I think, um, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period and I know that. And so I, I've sought a lot of counsel. Um, I've had a lot of people say, don't make a lot of changes. You know, my dad's going to be on the bag at least, you know, for a good bit of the season. Um, that'll help make the transition a little easier for me. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know how many end up I'll, I'll, end up playing, but a lot of new golf courses. Um, so I just think the whole thing is just going to be a large learning experience, learning how to manage my time, not playing, you know, 18 whole practice rounds every day, stuff like that. But, you know, once you get used to it and get in a good groove, I think it'll be a good way to, um, you know, just keep playing consistent golf is a big part of it. Sam, the good things in life are often worth the wait, so we look forward to you <laughs> making your 2023 LPGA Tour debut later this season. We'll be watching. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.